Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Stephen Jarvis and Friends podcast. I'm alone again today. Mark is off on vacation. Hopefully, he had a good one. Um, I'm sure he's happy about uh, Michigan winning, and I think also Detroit Lions won yesterday. I'm not quite sure. I know Minnesota pulled off a miracle against Buffalo Bill against the Buffalo Bills, and uh, the Gophers won. So I was happy about that. Um, but today, I am talking about the 1981 classic, My Bloody Valentine. Um, it's a Canadian slasher film directed by George Mahalka and written by John Byard. It stars Paul Kyleman, who uh, sadly passed away, I think, this year, possibly, Um Lori Haller, and uh, Neil Affleck. Um, the plot is about a group of young adults who decide to throw a Valentine's Day party only to incur the vengeful wrath of a maniac in mining gear who begins a killing spree. Conceived and produced entirely over the course of around a year, the film was shot on location in Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia in the fall of 1980. It was theatrically released on February 11, 1981 by Paramount Pictures, coinciding with the Valentine's holiday. Despite a mixed response from critics and grossing $5.7 million at the box office, the film has developed a large cult following over the years since its release. My Bloody Valentine faced notable censorship, having a total of nine minutes cut by the Motion Pictures Association of America due to the amount of violence and gore. Though co-producer Dunning confirmed that the excised films footage still existed attempts to release it proved difficult as paramount pictures refused to offer an uncut version <clears throat> in 2009 lionsgate subsequently licensed the home media rights to the film and released blu-ray and dvd editions with three minutes of additional footage restored the same year lionsgate released a remake of the film um, so my bloody Valentine, um, ultimately was after the craze that started with Halloween, Black Christmas, um, Friday the 13th. It was my bloody Valentine was kind of like, I, I don't know if it took, um, took, a look at Halloween and said, hey, you know, let's do another holiday film because uh, Black Christmas came before Halloween and My Bloody Valentine, but it was another one of those movies that came out, I would say, probably because uh, um, a lot of people seen what Halloween did for horror, for the horror genre um, and wanted to capitalize on that. A lot of other films would do this. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night... Um, as I said, Black Christmas was before Halloween, so, um, this was probably a cash-in, but it was still a good movie. Um, the story is about, um, a town of, na by the name of Valentine Bluffs, um, which is a Canadian mining town. Um, they had, a kind of horrible incident that happened when um at 20 years ago um 
a dance was going on and a group or two supervisors leave left five miners in the mines to uh, attend the dance while they forgot to check the methane gas levels and an explosion happens and it caves in the tunnel trapping miners while only one miner survives by the name of Harry Warden. Um, He had to resort to cannibalism to survive and went insane from the ordeal. Um, The next year he comes back murders the two supervisors um and he cuts out their hearts and place them in valentine candy boxes with a note saying that the town will never uh should never hold another valentine's day dance again or he will commit more killings um he's placed in an insane asylum afterwards after he went on his killing spree of the two uh supervisors and it's pretty much forgotten afterwards um so the dance resumes um a group of young i would say young adults i don't know if they're teenagers but uh um they're excited about the dance uh you got gretchen dave hollis patty sylvia howard mike john tommy and harriet sarah sarah axel and tj who had left for California, but found out he couldn't make it there. He comes back and um, he's involved in in a tense love triangle with uh, Axel and Sarah. Um, The mayor, who is also TJ's father, um, and the police chief, uh, Jake Newby, receive an anonymous box of Valentine chocolates containing a human heart and a note warning that murders will begin if the dance proceeds. Uh, That evening, the uh, resident who is named Mabel, who's trying to help the um, young residents create this fun time and have another valentine's dance after these tragedies that happened um she gets murdered by a mining geared killer in the laundromat and her heart is removed um and the police chief has it stated to everyone that she died of a heart attack to prevent panic and to prevent the memories of what harry warden did um we don't know if this is Harry Warden or if it's a copycat. We later learn in the ending of the film that it was actually Axel. And, you know, I, I, I shouldn't probably say that. For for those of you that haven't seen this movie, please check it out. Um, sorry for the spoilers if I spoiled it for you. But if I did, still go and watch it. It's on... Um, uh, Amazon Prime, I think. Um, we're me and my wife Alyssa. We we're watching it on Amazon Prime. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I'm not sure where we we're watching it, but um, it's a great movie. Um, like I said, it, it it does probably attempt to cash in on the craze of the holiday murders type films, where your killer is released on a holiday and does his thing and all that. Um. But anyway, back to kind of the plot of it. So, um, after 
Newbie tells the public that, hey, you know, Mabel died because of a heart attack to try and prevent panic and all that. Um, he ends up con contacting the mental institution where Harry Warden was incarcerated and is told that they have no record of him. Um, the mayor and uh, the police chief end up canceling the dance, but uh, the town youngsters, which is, again, Gretchen, Dave, Hollis, Patty, Sylvia, Howard, Mike, John, Tommy, Harriet, Axel, Sarah, and TJ, decide to hold their own party at the mine. Um, the bartender ends up warning them against this, and he kind of tells the story about what had happened and why they don't have Valentine's dances anymore. Um, he later get, the bartender later gets killed by the miner um, when he tries to set up a dummy to kind of scare the kids. Um, at the party, the miner ends up killing Dave. Um, his heart is found at boiling in a pot of hot dogs being prepared in the kitchen. Um, shortly after that, Sylvia is impaled on a shower head by the miner. Um, and when the others realize Dave and Sylvia have been murdered, they contact the authorities, but several of the partygoers had already went into the mine to have fun. And the police chief ends up rushing in there with police, um, only to find out that someone, the miner had, or someone had smashed the, um, the elevator to go down into the mine shaft. So they can't get down there using the elevator. They're going to have to use the ladder. Um, and Mike later gets killed. Uh, Mike and Harriet later get killed by getting uh, impaled by a large drill by the miner. Um, the miner ends up sh shooting a nail gun into Hollis's head. Um, Howard flees. And... Uh, the remaining four tried to climb to the top of the ladder, but discovered a dead beheaded Howard. Um, <laughs> Axel later drowns. Um, Patty is killed by the miner. Uh, he and the miner later chases TJ and Sarah and TJ, you know, protects Sarah. Um, but when... The miner is about ready to kill TJ. We later find out that, spoilers, the miner is Axel, um, who ended up faking his death. Uh, a flashback shows why Axel decided to do this. Um, because Harry Warden killed one of the supervisors who was Axel's father. And Axel had witnessed this as a child and uh, was traumatized by it. So... After we get that little flashback sequence, TJ hits Axel with a rock, resulting in the tunnel collapsing, which traps Axel and Newbie and the police arrive to rescue TJ and Sarah. Well, the chief reveals to them that Harry Warden died five years earlier. Um, TJ and Sarah hear a rescuer shout that Axel is still alive and they rush back to the scene. Um, but... Axel ends up freeing himself by amputating his trapped arm and he runs deeper into the mine shouting threats that he and Harry, Harry Warden will return and murder everyone in town and mumbling about Sarah being his bloody valentine. Um, 
it seems to be implied that Axel's words are just words of insanity and blood loss, which is also implied that he's dying from. The film ends with Axel laughing maniacally as a ballad for Harry Warden plays over the film's credits. Um, it's a really good movie. Um, development of the film. Um, the director on the strength of his earlier movie, Pick Up Summer, was approached by Simplex Productions headed by Andre Link and John Dunning with a two-movie contract. Um, the director was asked to direct a horror slasher story presented to Dunning by Stephen Miller in mid-1980. And after the director agreed to direct the film, um, he brought in someone else. He brought in John Bayard um, to write the screenplay. screenplay. Um, originally, the film was entitled The Secret. However, the producers decided to change it to My Bloody Valentine so to overtly reference the holiday serial killer trend with which the slasher genre was becoming increasingly popular through films such as Black Christmas, Halloween, Friday the 13th. At the time, the slasher subgenre had seen further commercial success with the releases of Prom Night and Terror Train. Um, Paul Kelman was cast in the lead role of TJ, while Neil Av- Affleck was cast as Axel, his former friend and co-worker. Um, so it was pretty funny. Um, Lori Haller, who was cast as Sarah, um, the girlfriend of Axel and ex-girlfriend of TJ, um, arrived on the set several weeks after the other actors as she had prior obligations at the National Theater School of Canada, where she was studying at the time. Um, the director was intent on casting her in the role, convinced, convincing her academics advisors to allow her to finish the semester early in order to appear in the film. Um, filming. Shooting on My Bloody Valentine began in September 1980, taking place around the Princess Collier Mine in Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia, which had closed in 1975. Filming completed in November 1980. The budget was approximately $2.3 million. Two mines were considered for the setting nether in Glass Bay, Nova Scotia. The production company decided on the Sydney Mines location due to the exterior being a dreary, cold, and dusty area with no other buildings around it. So it looked like it was totally in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the director has sent since making the movie that the most difficult element of my Bloody Valentine was filming in the mines located 200 or 2,700 feet underground filming in the mine was a lengthy process as due to limited space in the elevators. It would take an hour to transport the cast and crew to the location. Also due to the methane levels underground lighting had to be carefully planned as a number of bulbs that could be easily or safely utilized was limited Prior to the production's arrival to the mine, the owners cleaned up the location significantly, leaving it described as a clean and colorful Disney-like set. They result, this resulted in the production team spending an estimated 30000 to paint portions of the mines to achieve a darker, darker atmosphere akin to how it had appeared in its original state. Producer Dunning referred to the shoot as horrendous. The crew kept the identity of the killer a secret to the cast members until the end of production. When the final shot scene was shot in order to assure the actors played their parts in an ambiguous manner. The Ballad of Harry Warden. Although it was not credited, credited 
on the film itself, the vocals for the ending credit song, The Ballad of Harry Warden, as well as other musical cues heard in the film, were provided by Scottish-Canadian tenor John McDermott. In an interview with the Ghouls in the House podcast, his first and only interview on the subject, McDermott explained that he was a family friend of the film's composer, Paul Zaza, and just out of school when offered the opportunity to record vocals for the film. Um, so the release of the film, My Bloody Valentine was distributed by Paramount Pictures in the United States on February 11th, 1981, and in Canada two days later. At the box office, My Bloody Valentine grossed um, over $5 million at the United States box office. Though the U.S. gross exceeded the film's $2.3 million budget, it was considered a box office disappointment by Paramount Pictures, returning a sum of $3.3 million. This profit amounted to less than one-third of Paramount's Friday the 13th released the year before. Um, so pretty much it, it, this movie, like I thought it did, tried to um, ultimately go with um, with uh, doing the same thing that Friday the 13th, the whole holiday horror slasher uh, films, which was started with uh, Black Christmas, you then you had Halloween, you had, uh, I don't know if Prom Night should be considered one, but then you had My Bloody Valentine, you had the Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, this film also did face censorship. Um, <laughs> and... There had been um, a lot of uh, a lot of um, attempts to kind of restore the film with some of the censorship that scenes that were taken out due to censorship put back in, and they later did when Lionsgate acquired the. Um, home video rights to the film after producing the remake. So they were able to release uh, um, an uncensored version. So it's pretty cool. Um, but other than that, you know, this movie kind of didn't do a lot other than it became a fan favorite. You know, um, it didn't do really well in theaters, so to speak. Um but it did get its um, cult following by the fans of it, you know, um, kind of like Halloween, the original one. It, it it didn't really do well on its first run in theaters, but because of word of mouth, it became the cult classic that it is today. Um, I was very surprised with my Bloody Valentine um, when I first watched it. It was kind of like one of those movies that was like, really? You know, um, you could tell it was kind of a, uh, in a way, it was kind of like a whodunit type thing. Like, did Harry Warden get out? Is it someone else? Yada, yada, yada type deal. And um, I, I think people that haven't seen the movie yet, if you listen to this episode, take time out and watch it. It is a very good film. 
it, it's kind of slow, kind of like how movies were back then, but the story is very well written out. Um, the atmosphere is there. Um, and sorry for saying um so many times. I, I got to get, I got to try and come up with different words, but it does tell the story of a town that's trying to say, hey, you know, we've forgotten about these tragedies. We want to do this. Killer comes around, make sure that, hey, you know, if you're going to do this, I'm going to prove profitable on what was said 20 years ago by Harry Warden. Um, said it again. Sorry about that. So I want to rank this film. If I was to rank it out of a ranking of 10, I'd probably make it about a 7 out of 10. It it does have some faults in it, but ultimately not a lot. Uh, it is also a product of its time as a horror film. I, from when I watched this the first time, I looked and made sure that there was no sequels made. It was just a one-off film until the remake many years later. So it was kind of shocking that they didn't try and pimp it out like Friday the 13th did and like Halloween did. So do yourself a favor. Go on your Google machines, your computers, or your phones. Type in My Bloody Valentine 1981 film. Look for where you can watch it. Watch it. And you'll love the movie. And if you don't, just go in with an open mind. It's not like Halloween ends. Oh, I think I know where we watched it. I think it was on Hulu. So that will be it for me today. I want to thank you, the loyal listeners that keep listening to this podcast, even if it's just me or if it's me and Mark when we do live streams which we will do more live streams once Mark gets back. We want to do, me and Mark wanted to do uh, an episode or review on Halloween ends, which we will. We will get to that. We're going to try and get more guests on the show. Um, We'd like to have Darcy back on uh, and also Jason Brooks, Peter Anthony. We'd love to have them back. They were such good guests. Um, Also, thank you all loyal fan the loyal listeners of this podcast uh we have reached over 412 downloads on the podcast uh and also want to thank all the people in many different countries including the united states canada many different other ones that listen to the podcast uh london england came in and has been a big supporter of this podcast we love you all from the bottom of our heart we're hoping to come back and bring more episodes i know i've been kind of slacking on it just because been back on medication for my anxiety and depression so hopefully i can get back into the swing of things deliver more every week we'll see what the schedule is um and all that did it again but thank you all I'll have this up on the group page on Facebook. Might put it on Twitch. Not sure. I think our live streams will either go on YouTube and Twitch or just go on through the group page and Twitch. I'm not sure. Me and Mark and the team, we got to talk about that. So, as always, 
Thank you so very much. Keep supporting us. Keep giving us the love that you give us. Um, Did it again, guys. Hopefully, once Mark comes back, we can get that Halloween Ends review out for you. We both loved it. Me and my wife, we loved Halloween Ends. It was... It wasn't a bad film. It's getting a horrible rap because of how they did it, which is the way they wanted to do it. It Sucks, you know, it does. But we got another Halloween movie. Now we're going to have to wait for five, ten years. Hopefully it ain't the end. I know I have a hard time believing all the, you know, so-called film marks or however you want to play it when they're yelling at it fans of the film or just casual watchers of the franchise of Halloween saying, oh, it's done. Get over it. We they need to do something else with the franchise. They're not. Michael Myers is they they tried. I mean, hell, they tried in Halloween ends with Corey being the copycat. Uh, They tried Halloween three back in the day with Season of the Witch without Michael and it didn't work. So thank you all from the bottom of our hearts. Keep showing us that love and support. We'll keep doing this for you. Also, thank you, thank you, thank you for the support that you show this. Um, we couldn't have done made it this far without you all. We're on the road to 500 downloads on the podcast. Uh, if we get more than that, we're happy with that too. Uh, we're very excited with the support and love that our fans and loyal listeners show. Me and Mark, we've been talking about setting up a Twitter page for this. Uh, If you'd like that, you can always go into the group page and um, comment and say, yeah, we'd like you to have a Twitter page so we can talk on there. You can also come into the group. Please be respectful if you do. Um, We don't need all that politics or anybody being a dick in there. We're all a family in a way. So keep it up. We love you all. I'm Stephen Jarvis. This is a review of My Bloody Valentine, the 1981 classic. And I'm Stephen. Wish Mark was here. He's on vacation. He deserves a vacation every once in a while, just like we all do. So I'm Stephen Jarvis. This is Stephen Jarvis and Friends Podcast signing off. Thank you. And see you later until next time. Goodbye.